0: Of a Mother's Day message. The best we can say uh, about Jonah's mother is mate. Go ahead. You guys can just sit those down. Right there on the piano, right there. There you go. And all we can say is Jonah's mother must have been pretty proud of him. Amen. After a revival meeting like that, I'm sure his mother was proud of him. But that's about us all much we can say about Jonah and his mother. But today I want to go into the second installment of our series through. The book of Jonah. We're devoting the next few Sundays, probably over the summer, to the book of the four, four small chapters of the book of Jonah. And so, if you would please, all of you stand and turn to Jonah chapter number one. Jonah chapter number one. And I've entitled this series into, uh, just leave it right there, Grayson. That's fine. Just leave it, it right there. Say it anywhere right there. Uh, I've entitled this series into the heart of the Lord because i believe in the book of jonah we find this book delving into the heart of god the real heartbeat of god for his people to be used by him and for god to use those people to reach lost people a world that is away from god oh we see the heart of god in the book of jonah and i want to reread the first two verses we last week We did a a telescopic view of the whole book of Jonah. Now I want to zero in and start going verse by verse. We're going to read the first two verses of Jonah, chapter number 1, verses 1 and 2. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up. Before me, you can be seated. I want to preach to you just for a a few moments on this thought. Letting God take the wheel. Letting God take the wheel. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you this morning. And I thank you for how you've allowed our hearts to worship you. You've allowed our hearts by the Spirit of God to uh, to be moved by the resurrection of Jesus. To be moved by the person of Jesus. Father, I pray You'd continue, by Your Spirit, continue to conform us into a spirit of worship. God, let us be captivated by Your Word this morning. Uh, Let these moments uh, be moments of intense concentration as we hear what You have to say. Father, use me this morning. God, use me as an instrument to communicate the sense and the meaning of Your Word. Not only these two verses, but the entire book of Jonah and not only this entire book of Jonah but that Old Testament and not only that Old Testament but God in the context of your whole word God speak to our hearts. Father we ask this in Jesus precious name amen and amen. A few weeks ago Carrie and I uh, made our way to Chicago had an opportunity uh, to preach in Chicago, and, and our friends that we stayed with up there took us down to what's called Navy Pier. Navy Pier is an old shipyard that they've made into a tourist attraction and it's where a lot of the, uh, of the tourist boats that can go through the city of Chicago, they, they, they port there at Navy Pier. Also there are uh, yachts that have dinner cruises there on Navy Pier. And it's just a beautiful place to go see Lake Michigan and to go hang around. It's beautiful down at Navy Pier. And so we were down at Navy Pier and we were looking at a Coast Guard ship that, that we'd been there earlier in the day and we'd come back later a Coast Guard ship had come in and ported there we all kind of were gravitated this huge Coast Guard ship it was picking up big buoys out of, the, out of the, the Lake Michigan and cleaning them and maintaining those and as all of us kind of walked that way I saw out of the corner of my eye a statue that I hadn't seen before we missed it earlier in the day didn't see it and so I went over to where that statue was now the statue you that's there at Navy Pier is, is one of the tourist attractions called the Captain at the helm. And the image that's uh, a sculpted is, is like this old Navy captain, this old captain, sailboat captain. And he's got his captain's hat on and his raincoat on. And he's, he's, hand, he's got his hands on this Enormous ship's wheel, you know the ones with the spoked wheels, and it has the has the the hand places where you guide the ship, and, and the level of the ground that the man's captain's standing on is all at an angle. So you can tell that the boat is going through some raging waters. And there's that captain; he, he's holding that sailing vessel and navigating those waters. I was like, man, I love that. That's cool. And so, but when I came up to the statue. There was a family there that beat me to it. They were taking pictures uh, of that statue as well, and I thought, "Well, I'll just wait. You know, and I'll get my turn to take a picture of the statue by itself." I was standing there watching this family, and there was an eight or nine year old girl, about Grayson's, no older than or younger than Grayson. Somebody, I, 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 got it. Okay, you're not eight or nine; you're twelve. All right, uh, younger than Grayson, probably about uh, about eight or nine years old. And she was small enough to jump up on the statue, squeeze in between the bronze sculpture of the captain and between the the sailing vessel wheel. And she reached just as far as her little arms would get to grab a hold of those spokes. And she gave a snarl to her dad like, that she is sailing that vessel. Now listen, I'm not the most spiritual minded person just roundabout, just walking around. I, I don't see a sparrow that flies across to a tree and think about how Jesus eyes on the sparrow. Usually I'm saying, man, leave my garden alone. Get away, bird. I don't want you around. I, I'm not the most spiritual person when I just see average things happen. But when I saw that little girl get up in between that, that, uh, that uh, guiding... Uh, uh, guide, the, the boat's steering wheel and that captain my mind began to whirl with biblical application you see God smote my heart as I looked at that image you know along the course of life and the storms of life you and I are timid and frightened as to the path that we should take and the safety of of our sailing vessel. And we forget that there is a captain, that there is one behind us that has all the capability in the world of steering that vessel. There is a captain at hand who is able and strong and unmovable in the face of the storm who knows the unseen paths of the sea. And he's willing to, to take the wheel. And yet so many times, you and I will not let Him take the helm of our ship. See, this is really the reality of the story of Jonah. Jonah's got many lessons for us, but one that we first start out with is letting God take the wheel of our lives. We'll learn a lot from Jonah and what He went through in later stories. But right off, off the bat, God wants us to let Him take the wheel of our lives. You know, we often sing in invitation time. I've seen you do it. You stand up invitation time after invitation time. You'll turn to a certain page, and you'll have this angelic look on your face, and you'll sing, Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own oh, beautiful heart. Have thine own way. Thou art the Potter. I am the clay. And I just want to say, you're lying. Because oftentimes we will not let God have His way in our lives. We may sing it by heart, we may sound beautifully saying it, but it is not a truth down on the inside of our being. You won't let God have His way. You won't let God do what He wants to do in your lives. That's the whole problem with Jonah. That's what got him in the belly of a whale to begin with. We need to let God have His way in our lives. Here in these introductory verses, we have everything we need to have full confidence that when we, when God calls, we can let Him take the wheel. These first two verses are to give you all the confidence in the world. Say, God, I want you to have my high school days. God, I want you to have my twenty somethings. God, I want you to have my midlife, and I'm gonna. Pla- God, I want you to have my twilight years, and I'm gonna place. All of who I am and where I'm going, I'm going to place it in your able hands. When we get done today, you should have every confidence in saying, Lord, take the wheel. Take the wheel. I can't control it on my own. It is best left to you. I want to give you three instructions that we can draw from these verses that will help us let God have the controls of our lives to fulfill His plan and purpose. The first instruction is this. We must first of all hear the word God spoke. How simple is that? Hear the word God spoke. Notice in verse number 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. You know when we hear that phrase, we conjure up God's voice in stereo quality, high fidelity, coming from the clouds above, the Lord said unto Jonah. We conjure up this voice uh, from heaven. And, 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 and we say to ourselves, boy, it was so much easier back then. You know, Jonah just heard a voice out of the heaven. Go to, go to Nineveh? I mean, it just came out of nowhere. And he heard an audible voice. But that's simply not true. We are not told in this passage of Scripture, nor of many of the Bible characters, that they heard an audible voice from God. It's not what we're told. It's not what we're told that Jonah heard the voice of God echo off the mountains and come into his ears. But whether they did or not, I want you to know that we, you and I, can hear the voice of God as clearly as Jonah did. If we keep two things in mind. Notice, we must first of all keep in mind the clarity of His voice. The clarity. When the Bible said that the word of the Lord came to Jonah in verse number 1, I want you to understand that it did not come in the form of a riddle, a riddle wrapped in an enigma and boxed in a conundrum. He didn't have to get out his secret anti-decoder watch or, or Ben 10 decoder. Grayson used to have a Ben 10, or Evan had a Ben 10 decoder watch and he could, he could get codes. It didn't come with some kind of hard reasoning or, or, or trying to figure out what God was saying no God's voice was clear when Jonah was trapped down in the belly of the fish after running from God he didn't lift up his voice to God and say oh Nineveh I thought you said Tarshish my bad God my bad I'm sorry this is all my fault I, I misunderstood what you said no that's not it at all it wasn't that Jonah Misunderstood what God said is because Jonah understood exactly what God said. God's voice to our hearts and lives will never will, will be something that will be recognizable. It'll be recognizable in our own hearts and lives. No, Jonah knew exactly what God was saying. You know, many of us are like a squirrel in the highway. When it comes to the voice of God. Did he say this? What did he say? Does God call him here? Is hear? Does God call me here? We, we We can't make up our mind. We, we take every little nuance that the preacher says. Or, or every little obscure passage we read in the Bible. Is that what God's will is? Is that, what, is that what he's telling me? Is God speaking to me? Did he say something and I miss it? I mean what did he say? Listen. When God speaks to you. You. We'll know it. When God speaks through... Listen, I believe that God does speak. God is not silent. I believe that He does speak. We may not hear thundering voices uh, from the clouds of heaven. It may come in the form of thundering voices from this pulpit or rather squeaky ones at, at times. It, it, it may be from this pulpit. God may speak to you through your reading of His Word. God may speak to you in times of prayer. God may speak to you through our worship. God may speak to you through the church as a whole. Or through godly relationships. But know this. When God speaks, you'll recognize it as such. You'll hear it as such, you will know it. Know it. God makes the mind, uh, in, in in any number of ways, God makes the mind of God revealed to the heart of man. And when He does, you will know it because He speaks with clarity. Rest at ease tonight. If God calls you to Zimbabwe, if God calls you to Malaysia, if God calls you to be a street preacher downtown Chattanooga, if God calls you to uh, start a benevolence ministry, you will know it. That's not the problem. The problem is not hearing the voice of God. No, and understanding the voice of God. No, God speaks with clarity. He also speaks with consistency as well. Consistency. Now, I, I know when you say, I know when I say, now when God speaks to you, you'll know it. It opens up a lot of subjective, of personal reasonings within all of us. When I say, well, when God speaks, you'll know it. I mean, it just opens the door wide for subjective, anything that comes in your head. You know, you might say, well, that's God speaking. Well, there are thousands of thoughts that come in and out of our minds in a single day? How can I... And then I get ideas all the time. How can I sort out all of the voices of selfish desire, all of the voices of sinful temptation, and all of the voices of a sovereign God? Well, know this also. God's call, God's voice to your heart in your life will never contradict the express written Word of God. God's not going to tell you in the Bible something is wrong and then come back and specifically tell you, well, I was talking to everybody else but for you. Oh, you are a different case altogether. It's okay with you. No, no. When God speaks to you, it will have a consistency with the Word of God. You take the example of a man that says to himself, I I know, I know that I made a promise to my wife years ago that I would never leave her, that I would cleave to her only, and that I would be with her till death do us depart. But this woman, this woman that I met six months ago, I mean, uh, she is just exactly, exactly what I need. I mean, she makes me feel so great. She makes me feel so wounded. Uh, I listen, I just, I just cannot... I don't think I can do without her. I'm so happy when I'm with this woman. And I know that if I were with her, you know, I would serve the Lord much better. If we were together and I wasn't with my wife, if I was with this other person, I believe I'd serve the Lord better. I believe I'd be more consistent in my love for the Lord. I believe I'd go to church more. If I just had this person and could say i think god is telling me that i should leave my wife and be with this person my soulmate the one that is created i just know is created for me and no no god's not going to tell you one thing when his word tells you something else you see they will always be consistent together for years, I've wanted to have a bus route in this church. For years. I've wanted to, uh, to have volunteers that may come on a regular basis and may, and may try to help. I, I, listen, I know, I know. I know of at least five or six people that could fill these pews. Kids and adults alike. That if we went out and got them, they'd be here this morning. I had to tell a kid Friday night who wanted to be here. Grayson's the other buddy. Went to a meeting together. He would be here. Right now. But I, I tell us that son, we just we just don't have a we don't have a bus ministry. We, we we really can't come out and pick you up. He's in his living room. He's at home right now and would be here with us. It's always been a always been a, a dream of something I've wanted to have, something I've wanted to see come to pass. But we've we've never had the people to do it. Let's say you're at the family dinner night a few weeks from now and I'm talking to a couple. And I'm saying, you know, they, they really want to come, but they just don't have a way of transportation. They rode with a friend. And uh, if you guys could come pick us up, you know, we'd, we'd be here. I, I'd, really, I'd really like to come to this church. I have to hold my, hang my head and I say, you know, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We, we, we just don't have a bus ministry. I really wish we could come pick you up, but that's just, that's just not feasible right now. We're praying the Lord will give us some folks. and will go into rotation. All of a sudden, you're standing nearby. You hear that in the corner of your heart. No Bible, no invitation, no altar of prayer, all of a sudden, God's smoke. You can do that. There ain't no reason in this world that you couldn't get up a little bit earlier and go ride a bus and go pick somebody up. There ain't no... You leave, you leave the family dinner night. You try to shrug it off. Before you go to bed, there's something in your heart. Hey, I'm talking to you. There is no reason in this world why you couldn't show up just a little bit earlier Get the keys to a bus and go pick some kid up. You get to church that next Sunday and all of a sudden all the little empty seats in the auditorium start bothering you. Brother Ronnie gets up and talks about serving God like a message like this and doing the will of God. Hey, listen, God's talking to you. He's speaking to you. And it doesn't contradict God's Word in one little bit. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It goes exactly by God's will. Yet there's no verse that says, I want you to go drive a bus to go pick them kids up. But evidently some of you are just waiting for chapter and verse for Brother Ronnie to stumble across it. On a Wednesday night, accidentally. And it has your name in there. And it says for you to go drive a bus. Well, man, you've got assurance. No. No, not necessarily. God's Word is clear. And God's Word is consistent. And if He's talking to you, you'll know it. You'll know it. I go back to 2001... Over oh, nearly some 15 years ago, where God cornered me in a back, back bedroom as I studied my Sunday school lesson and said, Are you willing to trade what I have for you for in obedience because you've got a hang up and you're scared to stand in front of people? I knew it was the voice of God. I knew it. There well, ain't a verse in the Bible that even sounds familiarly close to that, but I knew it was Him talking, I knew it was Him speaking. My pastor was right on line with it, talking about surrendering our lives, talking about giving myself to God, giving it all to Him. I'm telling you, God speaks. He still speaks to your heart. Our problem is we're not listening. We don't want to listen. We don't want to hear what He's got to say. We don't have a heart. We're too cool for Sunday school. We plop down a pew and talk about everybody else and laugh and giggle and we're not, we're not the least bit sincere about God speaking. To me. G- Hear it from God. Hear. Hear the word God spoke. Notice second of all. Second instruction. See the one God sent. See the one God sent. Examples are to me the best teachers. I like examples. i never forget. Wild Bill Emmett. Okay. While Bill Emmett was my math teacher in high school. And I, I'm, a, I'm a geek that loved math. I could eat it up all day. We'd get in that math class and Mr. Emmett get up there and he'd start teaching us the theory behind what we're going to study that day. What he's going to teach us. He'd teach us the theory, the whys and the hows. How come this is true? And I would be like, blah, blah, blah. Just show me how to do it. Show me where it applies. Don't give me the theory behind... Uh, behind uh, 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 velocity give me the problem if train X leaves Memphis and goes to, uh, goes to Knoxville in a straight line at, 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 100, at 55 miles an hour and another train leaves with a perfect semicircle and ends up there in Memphis or, or Knoxville the same way how fast would it have to go for it to meet at the exact same time. That's an example. An example. I learn better by examples. That makes sense. That theory stuff don't make sense to me. But I can, I can deal with the example. Here in this passage of strict Scripture, God gives us an example. <laughs> Y'all got real worried. Y'all thought I was teaching math this morning. I'm not teaching math. All right, just everybody calm down. God gives us an example. He gives us an example in the person of Jonah. And I believe that if we'll look at this example, we'll see someone that is deciding to let God take the wheel of his life. Notice first of all, I want you to see a person of his choosing. The word of the Lord, uh, now the word of the Lord uh, came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, now, we don't know much about Jonah. I think I said that last week. There's only one other place outside of the book of Jonah and of the New Testament and the words of the Lord Jesus that we even hear Jonah, uh, hear of Jonah. It's in 2 Kings 14.25 and he's referred to in that passage as the servant of the Lord and the son of Amittai the prophet which is in Gath Gath Hefer, a little Galilean town not far from Nazareth where Jesus Grew up. Now the name Jonah means dove. He's a dove. Okay, that's what that's what his name means. Oftentimes, names in the Bible have specific things in which they uh, mean or imply. It's uh, the dove is a picture, oftentimes, of the Holy Spirit and and of peace. The name Amittai means truth of God. In his commentary, Doctor Rod Mattoon said. The lesson here is this. We cannot have peace, Jonah, without the truth, Amitai. Just as you cannot have the son, Jonah, without the father, Amittai. Well, that's a great truth. You know, you'll never know the peace of God until you know the truth of God. The truth has to penetrate. The truth has to be the needle that brings the peace of God. It's a wonderful application. But it's interesting to note that by the best estimates the events that took place in the book of Jonah took place prior to the reference given in 2 Kings 14. So, before before Jonah is referred to as the servant of the Lord, easily identified as a prophet, before he was ever a prophet, all this that took place in Jonah happened. So, we can with a little bit of certainty deduce that when God called Jonah here, he wasn't a prophet. He, wasn't, he was just Jonah. He was just the run-of-the-mill Israelite. He, he wasn't no prophet. He may have been a son of a prophet, but oftentimes that doesn't determine. You know, the ministry is not handed down. I know a lot of a lot of them out there, it seems like a family business. They hand it to son after son. You know, uh, the dad passes off the scene. It's given to the son to pastor to the church. Well, I'm sorry. The call of God is not hereditary. You don't inherit the call of God in our, in our lives. But God, God, it was just Jonah. And yet God set His eyes on Jonah and called him to this mission to Nineveh. He may have been the son of a prophet, but God's callings are not the family business. God, uh, they come individually. Now here's my point. You don't have to come from a long line of preachers to be called of God to be a servant of God. You don't have to have a theological pedigree in order to be the servant and be used by God. Well, I ought to put a relief in all of us. If you really are sincere about God using you and being used by the God that saved you, then that will bring a relief. You don't have to be from a long line of preachers. You don't have to have a theological pedigree. You don't have to have a whole alphabet soup after your name, M.D., Dib, Miv, uh, D.D., all those things, after your name to be used of God. Jonah was just Jonah. Just an average guy. Just an average Israelite. Minding his own business and God taps him on the shoulder and speaks to him. Notice also, not in the person of his choosing, but the plan of his choice. This run of the mill Israelite just minding his own business when God came knocking at his heart. He had no idea that behind the scenes, God has been devising a plan in the and in the infinite wisdom of God, he saw that Jonah is perfectly fitted to the task that is at hand in Nineveh. God looked at this average guy, Jonah, son of a preacher. He's a PK. That's probably probably the root of the problem. That's probably why he ended up in the belly of a whale. Because he was a PK. But God looked at Jonah and said, You are a perfect fit, even though you don't want it at the beginning, even though you don't want it, You're a perfect fit for what I got going on at Nineveh. I want you to understand something that every person in this room that claims the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, do you realize that God has a work, a will, a plan for you that is specifically contoured to be a perfect fit? You say, Brother Ronnie, I don't have a personality like you. I, 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 don't, I don't joke around. I, I don't have much of a skill. I don't, I don't care. God doesn't make knickknacks, And I've said that a million times. And I always find myself. God doesn't God make knickknacks and sit on a shelf and collect dust. He makes, he makes, uh, he makes maddox and picks. He makes shovels and finely tuned uh, tools uh, in, in His hands to you. You don't make stuff just to sit around. Here we find that God said, I, Jonah is the one. He is perfectly fitted for what I have. And listen, whatever Jonah thought about Jonah's ability, it didn't compare to what God knew about Jonah's ability. So many times I am reminded of 2 Corinthians four. Listen to this verse who comforteth us, talking about God who comforteth us, who comforteth us in all of our tribulation that we might be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. This verse reveals that the things we go through, that the things that you have experienced have forged you into a finely tuned instrument for God's usage. You may say, Brother Ronnie, you don't know the baggage I bring. Brother Ronnie, you grew up in a Christian home. You don't don't even have any idea what kind of life I lived as a child. I'm still bent. I'm still deformed. That's all right. Those bendings and those shapings make you the unique tool for God to use as God has comforted you, as God has molded and shaped you, as God has worked in your life so you are to become that same instrument and bring comfort into the lives of others. All your experiences, all your hangups, all your problems, all your scars that you think are a detriment, God sees them as an advantage. You can reach people that I could never reach. You could be an instrument in people's lives I could never get to. You can identify with people that I could never possibly enter into a conversation with. Back on July the 6th, 1916, a portrait appeared on the cover of Leslie's Weekly. That portrait went on to become the most famous poster in the world. And it wasn't the Incredible Hulk. The most famous famous portrait... In all the world is won by James Montgomery Flagg and it's a portrait of Uncle Sam pointing a finger and saying, I want you for the U.S. Army. God today is pointing a bony finger right in your face and saying, if I can use Jonah, if I can call him, I want you. I point to everybody so nobody feels left out I want you, I want you, God saying I want you, I want you God's pointing at you, he can use you this morning, if he can use Jonah as messed up as he is, and you will find out by the end of the book, he is so messed up so, he's got so many problems still within him, yet God used him God wants to use you the God of glory has something he want you wants you to specifically do Thirdly, lastly, third instruction. Number one instruction. Hear the word God spoke. Are you listening? Do you have a heart that says, I want to know what God says. I, just want, I, just want to, I don't want to come in here and clock out. When I open my Bible and I pray, I, I just don't want to clock out and go through the motions. I want, to hear, I want God to speak to me. Hear what God spoke. See the one God sent. Last of all, Know the will God shared. There is no indication that Jonah was looking for the will of God. Boy, I, I took that this morning and it so con- contradicted what I'd always believed. If you want to know the Word, if you don't know, the, want to know the will of God, read and pray and study and ask, Oh God, oh God, I want to know your will. Oh God, give me your will. It contra- that's what I thought you had to do to give God's will. I'm going to fast. I want to know God's will. I want to do this and that. Jonah disproves all of that. He said, Jonah was minding his own business and God's will came to him. Here's what I figure. I figure that if we'll just follow God, if we'll just seek Him, we can't help but have God's will fall into our lap. Come right to us face to face. could be as clear as the nose on, on my face. You see, if we'll simply follow God and His will and His commission, it will fall right into our laps. God's will. Notice, I want you to see about God's will, first of all, God's displeasure. Notice verse number 2. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Did you notice how straightforward the will of God was to Jonah? Arise, go to Nineveh, cry against it. God didn't pull Jonah aside, put his arm around, and say, Hey, Jonah, you're doing a great job. I don't know if I've told you, or, you're doing a great job. I tell you what, there's something on my heart. And, and I, I, just, I just think you're the best one for it. Be honest with you. Of all, all the other people in the church, you're the one. I think you can do this. And I, I, I just want you to pray about it. I, 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 don't, I don't want to push you in anything. Uh, but, but we really need somebody, and I think it's the Lord's will, uh, for somebody to go to Nineveh. Now, now I know, I know you've got a lot of preconceived notions about Nineveh, but. But hear me out now. Jonah, you're such a good teacher. You're such a good preacher. I'm telling you. Jonah, I think you can be successful down there. I really do. Now, you pray about it. You think about it. I mean, that's what a pastor has to do to get people to do things. That's what I have. Hey, listen. You're doing a great job. I love you guys. You know, I appreciate you. Why don't you? You know, I'd I'd really like for you to think about it. Just think about it. Pray about it. You know. Think about driving a bus. I mean, I don't press you anything like that. I don't do anything like that. Just, just think about it. Would you think about just running the soundboard for you? I mean, I, I, now, I, it's not... You don't have to. I understand this, but... Good. Listen. God is very direct. <laughs> he's very direct. Arise, go, and cry out. There's nothing mistaken about what He's doing, what He's calling Jonah to do here. Now... Why? Why does God call him to arise and go and cry? Why? Because the city of Nineveh was a displeasure in his eyes. Notice what he said in verse number 2. Their wickedness has come up before me. Their sin is a blight in my vision. I know how wicked and perverse they are. It was a displeasure in his eyes. This was a sin-soaked city. Uh, it was a rebellious city. It was a city steeped in idolatry. It was a cruel city. And it was a, there was a great need in Nineveh. I believe that the will of God for your life and for mine is to places where the displeasure of God is the greatest. Where the places of God's displeasure are the greatest. Why did God call me to preach why did God some, two, uh, uh, some uh, back in 2001? Why did God call me to preach? Because there was a lost and dying world. There were men at the rescue mission. There were men at the jail. There were men uh, down, at, uh, men and ladies down at the old folks home that needed to hear the good news of the gospel. Why did God call me to pastor? Because there are needy sheep that are wandering. Fire from God, they're falling into temptation and they are being preyed on by Satan himself. He called me because it displeases him to see his people fall. He called me because it displeases him to see people in sin and going to hell. Listen, God calls us because of His displeasure. Not in us, but in needs in this world. You see, uh, God's will for our lives is to is to deal with the displeasure of God it is the displeasure of God that causes him to lay on his uh, uh, to lay his hand on a on a couple and call them to the mission field It is the Lord's displeasure in a community that has no heart for God uh, that will cause God to cause someone to drive a bus. It is God's displeasure in a city that is going to hell to cause a church to rise up and to stand against the onslaught of sin. It is God's will that calls us. And it calls us to what is displeasing. Is God calling you to something that displeases Him? You know, there there, there are kids. There are kids that here. I don't know why in the world. I'm not plugging for bus drivers. There's kids all around this area that would easily, gratefully come and even sit in the pew and listen to me. Not counting children's church. Just sit in here and listen to me. And and that's got to displease God. There are young people out there. There are people that God... God could use. And they're just waiting out there for us to just simply go pick them up. And see, the displeasure of the Lord drives the will of the Lord. Don't you see it? The will of God for our lives will lead us into places where we are, where we are used to turn what displeases God into what brings joy and pleasure to God. When God uses you, He uses you to take you to places to please Him. To turn it from a place of displeasure to a place of pleasure. hey A place of pleasure where they hear the Word of God. Where they, where they know God's Word. Where they know God loves them. Whether they receive Him or not. We see the, God's displeasure. We also see God's desire. He said to cry against that sea before the wickedness has come up before me. The will of God is motivated by the grace of God, the love of God, and the mercy of God. When God called Jonah to go down to that city Nineveh, God's desire, God's will was driven by love, driven by His patience, driven by His long-suffering, His mercy. God being all-powerful uh, could have uh, unleashed fire from heaven. He could have sent an earthquake that, that caused the mouth, to, the mouth of the world to yawn and Nineveh would be no more. And yet God said, no. No, I know they're sinful. I know they hate me. I know they despise me. But oh, how I love them, Jonah. And I want to use you to reach them. I want to use you to go down to that city. I want to use you to go down into that place. Here we see we see Jonah uh, being... Uh, uh, enlisted by God because of his long-suffering, his mercy. God's desire. I want to, uh, uh, Jonah, I want you to be my emissary of peace. I want you to be my representative of love and goodwill. Jonah, I got something, I want you you to do that is significant to my heart, child of God, you can be sure that if if you will let God take the wheel, He will steer you into the needy places in this world on mission as an expression of God's love. How would you like to be an ambassador of the peace and the love of God? How would you like to carry the good news of a God that is gracious and loving and merciful? Sign up! Let Him take the wheel. Let Him take the wheel. Let him lead you. Let him guide. Let him listen for his voice. Recognize you're the one that he, the one that he can use. God doesn't need you. I told you that last week. God can do it all by Himself, but yet His delight is to use His people. You know that's why He sent Jesus. You want to be like Jesus? You know the reason God sent Jesus because He saw you in sin. He saw you in ungodliness. He saw you writhing in the the agony and the chains of sin. He saw you writhing in in, in pain and suffering in a place called hell. And God says, I love them. He could have have, have sent lightning bolts uh, to, uh, to take you out a long time ago, but God in love sent His Son Jesus to die on that cross for your sake out of love, out of kindness, out of gratefulness. That's why He sent the Lord Jesus. You want to be like Jesus? And be an ambassador of God's love. Let God send you. He said, I loved you and I'm I'm going to send my son to die for you. God was motivated by love to send His son. Where would you be? Listen, where would you be today had not God sent Jesus into your life? Why, you'd be a mess just like I would. Then how in the world can we say no? To God taking the will of our life and navigating us into a course of love and mercy. You'd be a mess if Jesus hadn't come. You'd be a mess if He had not come into your heart and life. Then how can you say no when God wants to use you to do the very self-same thing? To help somebody else's mess. To help somebody else out of their chains. To help somebody else be snatched out of the jaws of hell. How can we say no? How can we jerk the wheel from God and say, God, I know best. I don't like where you're going. I do And Jonah tried. Jonah tried. Lord, I don't know. I don't like where this boat is going. I'm going my own way. The truth of the matter is, and we'll see this next week, you can't run from the will of God. That's a wonderful thing. I tried for an entire year to run from the will of God. You can't do it. When God reveals His will, when God divulges His plan to you, you may say no, but God has a funny way of not rescinding His calling. God doesn't, uh, God doesn't have to have you. He can do what pleases, He pleases without you, but God delights in using us to accomplish His purposes according to His will. The great composer Mendelssohn was visiting a certain city where there was a famed organ in the, in the cathedral. He went up into the, choir, the loft, the organ loft, to try to play it. The man that was the caretaker and the organist was a little bit jealous, and he's no, I don't want you touching this beautiful. He didn't recognize him as Mendelssohn, the great composer. He didn't recognize him. But finally, he succumbed. He gave permission, and he hesitantly, begrudgingly. Allowed the great composer to sit there at the organ. As he began to play, the, uh, the, the sound filled the cathedral. It was unlike anything that the organ player had ever heard. He touched him on the shoulder and he said, What is your name? He said, My name is Felix Mendelssohn. Tears welled up in his eyes. He says, To think. To think. I almost did not let the master." Sit at this organ and play his beautiful symphony. So many of us are telling the Master, no thank you, but I can play this myself. No thank you, I know what I'm doing. And you're missing the masterpiece that God can make out of your life. We'll find that when when God gives His will, when God makes His call, He doesn't change His mind. And like I said last week, it's been on my heart ever since I said it. So many times many of us are sitting in the belly of a whale and trying to make do. Well, this is not too bad. Outside the will of God, as far from God as you can possibly get, and you're trying to say, well, it's not too bad in here. see, little seaweed never hurt anybody. It's actually pretty nutritious. Kelp's good for you. When on the other side of obedience, you'd be so much better off. Let's all stand to our feet, Kevin, if you'd come with a song of invitation. I know I've kept you late. And I apologize for that. But it's so important. This is so important. See, you just checking in and checking out. I hope, I hope God has spoken to your heart tonight. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Listen, if you're here today and you've never received Christ as Lord and Savior, I want to ask you something. How long are you going to keep walking that path? How long are you going to keep living in Nineveh? Listen, God loves you. God desires to be reconciled to you. And He even sent me this morning as that expression of His love to tell you that Jesus came and died for you, that He shed His blood on the cross to save you from your sins. And if you would repent and come, if you'd let go of your life, if you would turn from sin and self and receive the Savior, You'd have the gift of eternal life. You'd be His own. Your debt would be forgiven. Why don't you come to Jesus? How long are you going to keep saying no? You've heard that time and time again. You've heard the story of the cross. How long are you going to say no to Jesus? What about you, child of God? You're saved, but the truth of the matter is you're not listening for God. You don't think you're possibly one God could call on and you don't give a rip about the will of God for your life. Good grief, Brother Ronnie. Don't I come in and sit on a pew? Isn't that enough? God didn't call you to come sit on a pew. God made us His workmanship in Jesus Christ. We're not saved by good deeds, but we are saved unto good works. I do good works. I I do the, uh, the work of a servant of God. I am at His disposal not to gain my salvation, but because I am saved. You come to Jesus. Why don't you surrender? Why don't you say, God, I hear your voice. I know that you can use me by what you did in Jonah's life. I want your will. I want to be an emissary of love and compassion. I want to be a person of mercy. God, use me. Why don't you come to this altar and say, God, use me. Right there at your seat. God, use me this hour. I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of the belly of a whale. God, use me. Any way you see fit. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray you bless this invitation time. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Kevin, what song? 341. Lord, I'm coming home. You come to Jesus. If you're here lost, you come. Go ahead. I'm trusting to the unseen hand. We hope and pray that today's episode of the Unseen Hand Podcast has been a help and blessing to you. For more information such as other podcasts, ministry helps, blog posts, previous sermons, or how to contact Brother Brown directly, just go to Brown.net. Join us next time for another message from Brother Ronnie on the Unseen Hand podcast. Until then, may God's unseen hand gently guide you on your journey home. The Unseen Hand